Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you would hold your Bibles up high, we want to welcome all of you watching online, all of you who will be watching this recorded message on YouTube, Facebook, any other platform. We welcome you in. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here on this special Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate Christ. Now, many people have been to church, gone to church, and and a lot of times our understanding of church is if I go to church and I go to church enough and I do the right things, I'll go to heaven. Well, that's not accurate. There will be a lot of people that have never been in church but made Jesus the Lord of their life And you don't know that, but they will go to heaven because they put their faith in him. Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't attend church because the idea of church is not to get us to heaven, but to have a little bit of heaven on earth. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So whenever we hear the word of God, it strengthens us. It emboldens us to live a stronger life. None of us in here will ever be perfect. That will never be achieved. But the Bible says that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So when Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, the Bible says he ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says he's making intercession for us. Intercession means that he is standing between us and God and he's representing us to God. And some of you may come in here today and go, man, I'd never step foot in a church. I've invited people to church before. and They say, man, I'd come, but I'm afraid lightning would strike. I got to tell you, Mosaic Church is lightning proof. You're going to be okay today, all right? You don't have to worry. God's a good God. And oftentimes, we think God is out to get us. And if we make a mistake and we don't do everything just right, that God is going to smite us. Well, let me tell you, when I look at the 12 disciples, I have great hope that I'm going to heaven. They were messed up dudes. Peter goes around cutting ears off when they come to to arrest Christ. And, you know, the sons of thunder, James and John, are arguing about who gets to sit next to Jesus in heaven. They were a mess. They weren't Harvard grads. They weren't Yale grads. These were rough dudes. And let me tell you, Christ is still reaching down from heaven to reach out to all people. And we need to understand that. In Luke, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They found the body of Buddha. How could you miss it? With a belly like that. Anyway, okay, so... Muhammad, they they found all these other bodies, but they never found Christ because he did what he said he would do. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes, angels that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, 
the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Here he is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words when they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Now, just for a moment, isn't it interesting that it was the women that went to the tomb? The disciples are hide and seek. These guys, these 12 guys that had watched him, or 11, that had watched him do miracles were hiding, but the women were so excited about who Jesus was, they were the ones that went to the tomb. Ladies, give yourselves a hand. So it goes on to say, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women. Now you can elbow your husbands because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is Peter. Peter gives me incredible hope that I'm going to heaven. He was just one of those guys, always questioning, denying Christ three times and cutting off the ear when they came to arrest Christ. I mean, so many things. And then he goes to the tomb and goes, I wonder what happened. Peter, he told you what he was going to do. Get the picture. And so now we see in Matthew 12, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, as we call a whale, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What a story to imagine just for a moment that that, that, that Christ is going into a tomb as Jonah went into the belly of a whale. You know, children are so filled with faith and a little girl was at school, and she was talking to her teacher about whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though they were a very large mammal, their throat was very small. The little girl stated Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Full of faith she was. The teacher reiterated a whale could not swallow a human. It, it was impossible. The little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. The teacher said, well, what if he went to hell? She said, then I'll let you ask him. I love that story. Teacher grossly overplayed her hand. As we journey toward living a resurrected life, Paul said, I die daily. He said, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. In our efforts in life, though they are good and they should be, we're all on a journey. <clears throat> we all hit valleys. We all have low points. We all have high points. And we all make mistakes and we all sin. The Bible says everyone sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And too often the local church historically has judged people for what they do and what they don't do. But the number one job of the church is to represent God. 
And God doesn't just love you. The Bible says God is love. That's who he is. He cannot betray himself. He will always love you. He will never fail to love you. In your darkest hour, your biggest sin, your greatest mistake, he's going to be there. In fact, I'd venture to say that when you are at your darkest and your lowest and you feel a squeeze, it's not God squeezing the sin out of you. It's him imparting his love into you, letting you know, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you go. And we all go through those times, those difficult times, that we just don't understand the darkness in which we're living. But he is the light of the world. And if we will stay true long enough and we'll wait, the Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. You see, timing is everything, it's been said. And that oftentimes we get in a hurry and, and, and we don't understand that God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. Difficult times are not sent to destroy us. When we experience difficult times, that's when we're most strengthened because we have to lean on him. And so I encourage you today to stay true and wait on that time. You see, everything has that moment. A man walked to the top of a hill to talk to God one day. The man asked God, what's a million years to you? And God said, a minute. Then the man asked, well, what's a million dollars to you? And God said, a penny. Then the man asked God, can I have a penny? And God said, sure, in a minute. <laughs> I think the reason that God would say that is because if we don't trust him and put faith in him, it's not pleasing to him. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. God doesn't do things to stretch us for the sake of punishing or embarrassing us, but he does things or allows things so that we can grow and be strengthened. The Bible says that Christ learned obedience through the things that he suffered. None of us want to suffer, and God doesn't want us to suffer, but when we do suffer, we can learn obedience in the process. God, I want to do things my way. God, why does it have to happen to me? Why is it happening this way? Instead of asking God why, we need to start asking God what. God, what do you want me to do about this? What, you, what do you want me to do with this? What is it that I need to know that will get me on the other side of this crisis? You see, when David was anointed king, he was under a tyrannical leader named Saul. And, and Samuel comes and anoints David, but it was 15 years from the time that he was anointed to be king and the time that he took the throne of king. And David stayed true to God during that 15 years where it seemed like that was just a formality or something that Samuel made a mistake, surely, because surely I'd be king by now. But 15 years later, it all played out where David became king. And the Bible says he was a king that had a heart for God. He was a man after God's own heart. And for 15 years... He finds himself, if you will, in somewhat of a wilderness, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I think about the woman in the New Testament who had an issue of blood. And the Bible says that she spent 12 years of her life trying to get well. And in that 12 years, she spent everything she had to get well. Can you imagine 12 years after two years or after two months? In our world today, most people would quit. They would just say, I'm going to throw my arms up and I'm going to let life carry me 
wherever it wants to. But Jesus paid for your destiny. He did, you're not a sailboat. You're not one that's just carried by the wind. You're the one that's been given direction. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. Twelve years, and finally, can you imagine how frail she must have been and, and possibly the stench of her life and She's around the crowd, and the Bible says Jesus is walking along, and the crowds are so massive that they're pressing up against him. But in a moment, after 12 years of suffering and being isolated from society, all of a sudden, she gets this urge. She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And so this woman, frail and stench and exhausted and fatigued in every way, she makes her way through this massive crowd and she says, all I don't need is attention. I don't need him to talk to me. I just need to touch something that's touching him. And she touched the hem of his garment and the Bible says in that moment, Christ paused and he looked around and he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, come on, man. This is the new version. Come on, man. I mean, I don't know if you get by with calling Jesus, man, dude, whatever. It would have been, oh, sir, Christ. Anyway, so she says, they looked at him and said, come on. He said, no, no, no. I felt power leave my body. Amen. Just a little faith, just a touch of the garment. And Christ's power was released. And after 12 years of time seeming to be wasted and I'm surely going to die... She was totally made well. And she was an example to everybody else. If you'll press, if you'll wait, if you'll fight, God will make a way. You see, it's a challenge. We have to wait on the timing of God. Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Sometimes we get ahead of God. Sometimes we just need to pause. You see in Galatians 4, it says, but in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Can you imagine thousands of years of Jewish people waiting for the Messiah? Many people waiting. But God waited until the fullness of time. And then Jesus arrives. And because of Jewish law, he couldn't preach. He couldn't do anything until he was 30 years old. So he waits 30 years, which had to seem like forever. And not only did he wait 30 years, think about this. He knew the reason he was here. You see, at one point, they tried to make him king by force because he became so popular. But rather than accepting it, it says he hid away in the crowd and slipped away because he knew if there was no cross, there would be no crown. So he slipped away. I can't imagine the agony of 30 years knowing in, at, in 33 he knew he was going to die. And not just die. Die a horrible death for the sins of all mankind. And I fully think that the pain of his emotional trauma was far greater than the nails that nailed him to the cross and the crown of thorns upon his head and the spear that pierced his side, that the emotional pain of saying, I'm going to carry the sin of mankind past, present, and future so that everybody of every age can be born again. I was a middle child of three children, and I had an older brother and a younger brother. And, you know, they were always troubled. 
And we would be riding along back in the day when there were no car seats, and we survived. I mean, nowadays, it's almost like you put your kid in the next thing that they're going to add to a car seat's a helmet. It's crazy. I mean, we rode in back of pickups, drank out of hoses, swam in creeks. These kids nowadays have purified water. And God knows, I mean, you, I, mean I think if a kid was in a plane crash in a car seat, they're probably going to live. I mean, at least that's what we're made to believe. I mean, it's a sissy generation. I'm sorry. We just dedicated them. Make them grow up. Come on. And, and so we'd be sitting in the back seat, no seat belts, and we'd be, and we'd be riding along, and, and one, my two brothers would get into it, and I was innocent. But I remember my dad saying, when we get home, all three of you are going to get spanked. I know today you'd go to prison for that. But anyway, I grew up in a generation, and, and as a result of growing up in, in that generation, I have this, this condition it's called respect for humanity. And, and we'd oftentimes only be 10 minutes away from home, but we knew that my dad was like God. He was made good on his promise. When we get home, you're getting spanked. And he never let us down. But that was the longest 10 minutes of my life. I mean, I'm like, I felt like, I, no, there were times I'd look and say, Dad, pull over now and just hit us. Because the, the 10 minutes of emotional trauma thinking about getting spanked when I got home was almost more than I could bear. Timing. Second thing is a test. You say, man, I, I just don't, I don't have anything to offer God. I'm, I'm at the bottom of my class. I'm, I'm not good. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too tall. I'm too wide. I'm too... Who knows now? I just decided in a generation where you could identify with whatever you want, I, I decided to identify as good looking and just right. You can argue with me all you want, but that's just who I am. I do my best every week to irritate at least a few people. Because I think sometimes our political correctness has killed us. And so, you, you know, you get to be who you are. If somebody calls you fat, say, no, I just enjoy. I'm jolly. Don't let somebody put you down. Don't let somebody make you think you're something you're not. If you're happy with, in your skin, be happy in your skin. But we, we got everybody judging, and we fall prey to that. Richard Branson has dyslexia, the founder of Virgin Records and Virgin Airlines. Dyslexia. But Richard Branson decided, I'm not going to allow what I don't have to keep me what I, from what I can do. You see, you can make all kinds of excuses about, I'm not smart enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not good enough. Do you realize FedEx, the guy who started FedEx, failed in his paper in college, and the professor gave him an F and said, that will never work. Guess who's laughing today? You got FedEx delivering your Amazon packages, glory to God. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old. Einstein didn't have the best childhood. In fact, many people thought he was just a dud. He never spoke for the first three years of his life. And throughout elementary school, many of his teachers thought he was lazy and wouldn't make anything of himself. He always received good marks, but his head was in the clouds, conjuring up abstract questions people couldn't understand. But he kept thinking, and, well, he eventually developed the theory of relativity, which... Many of us still can't wrap our heads around. 
So you have timing, you have the test, and then finally you have trust. Jesus had to have all of these. He knew that he couldn't do what he was called to do for 30 years, and he waited. He passed the time test. He passed every test. He refused to become king without the cross. And all because he trusted his father who said on the third day, I will raise you from the dead. You see, your day's not done. You can say it's the darkest hour, whatever you want to say, but it's nowhere near, near finished. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, all I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. Corey Tim Boom says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You see, we don't have all the answers. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us very clear, no man knows the day or the hour that Christ will return. Many people live in fear today, wondering if they're going to make it. I'm not good enough. I've done too many things. Here's what I want you to understand. None of us are going to make it because we're good. We're going to make it because he's great, and we put our faith in his greatness. I'm going to close with just these couple of thoughts, and you do not want to miss the grand finale today. Trust me, you'll weep your eyes out. It's awesome. One person said, you, you never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. You see, sometimes we look at options and we look around and we really don't trust God because we think, well, I'm going to find a way. And God says, you know what? Why don't you exhaust all your possibilities and look to me at all of my probabilities because I will do what I said I would do. And then this last thing I want you to understand makes me happy as a pastor. The reason we are called Mosaic Church is because I decided some years ago that if I would bring all of my broken pieces before God, he would assemble me. Then I decided that this, that we are a bunch of broken pieces of humanity that God brings together every Sunday to be a picture of his glorious redemption. That's what Mosaic is. And I close with this thought. The coolest people I've ever met have the most colorful pasts. They lived lives of risk, made some bad choices, learned lessons, explored, and they're not afraid to be real. Tattered tapestries woven of similar threads, they're my kind of people, my favorite shades of crazy. And some of you, that offends you, but the reality is you got a little shade of crazy in you too. We all do. And if we can accept each other, not for what we do, but because of who we are, we are created in the image and likeness of God. And that's all that we need to know is we're not here to judge one another. We're not here to tell each other who they are, how they're to, what they're to become, but we are here to love. And the Bible says love never fails. Love never fails. So our mantra here is love, grace, and mercy. Love never fails. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And where sin abounds, grace does more abound. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your absolute incredible grace and mercy toward us and to us. We cannot express enough gratitude for all that you are and all that you do. And I pray for everyone here today, everyone watching online. I want to ask all of you to pray this with me. And before I do, you're in church maybe for the first time. Or maybe you're in church going, this is the last time. Because I'm not going to walk out of here and live the rest of my life. A very dear friend of mine took his own life several years ago. And uh, 
life is very precious and he was a very good Christian man my heart breaks I have a coffee mug that he gave me many years ago and every day that I drink out of it I pray for his ex-wife or his wife and uh, she's living her life alone now we don't know what tomorrow brings but we have some choices as to what it brings and today if you're here and you say please pray for me I need Christ in my life you say what does that take a prayer that says I put my faith in him if that's you would you lift your hand right now and say please pray for me just lift them up bunch of you over here on the right down here in the center thank you others of you that's me thank you you can put them down now those of you watching online pray this with us say father god thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin jesus thank you for giving your life for me today i give my life to you thank you jesus amen Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.